This is Transistor.fm. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Balsamic. This is the company I want Transistor to be like when it grows up. What I like most is that they truly care about people's success. You can see it in a bunch of the initiatives they run. For example, they give $350,000 a year for sponsoring events, which is crazy. They donate their time to give career advice, and they have lots of free resources about UI and UX design on their website. But what I appreciate the most is that they don't build their product for the customers, but with their customers. They like to say that they are not metric-driven, but people-driven, and that's something I've always really valued myself. Now, if you'd like to help make balsamic wireframes better and help them shape the future of wireframing, you can join their customer advisory board. All you have to do is go to balsamic, that's balsamic with a Q, dot com slash support slash make us better. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. I noticed Chris has been putting the robot voice back in. Oh yeah? Yeah. Nice. Our, our fans demand things and we listen. Demand robot Justin? Yeah. By the way, I'm getting a little bit worried. Chris Chris is getting pretty popular as a yeah, podcast a editor. Guy. I just hope he doesn't forget where, you know, the, the little people on his way we up. Gotta, we got to lock him down, <laughs> get him on a contract. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people ask about, you know, his work. And yeah, he's editing Chartable Radio now, Maintainers Anonymous, which is a podcast on Transistor. Nice. Uh, Code Pen Radio. He's He's like edits a lot of really cool shows so yeah we're just happy to have them that's awesome um i know last episode we talked a little bit about um bread and software development yes and how they might be similar um mm-hmm. i don't have any more insight into that but baker that i sort of apprenticed under yes which i did uh, a few years ago during the summer on the weekends he just won a james beard award for best uh, baker in the country no which is way like, uh, it's like the oscars for food yeah <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> nuts. so uh con- and that's like your sensei that's yeah. like your uh your obi-wan yeah, so congrats to him even though he doesn't listen to this <laughs> why is it why isn't he listening i don't know we've mentioned bread now twice he's not building a sass <laughs> he's building a, a real a real store a real thing real things <laughs> man there's some things you know i Whenever I feel like maybe building software is hard, I look at other th- things. Yeah, and I go, uh, it's not nearly as hard as. It's true. <laughs> I know that Alex Ohanian, who's married to Serena Williams, so Alex Ohanian is the founder of Reddit. Serena Williams is an amazing tennis player. Alex said that you know he thought he used to say that people in tech worked hard, and then he got married to Serena, and he's like, we do not work hard. Yeah, no, no, no. Those professional athletes are that's intense and this kind of dovetails actually into something i've been thinking about lately it it just came to me i think yesterday i was at home and talking with my wife about some things and oh yeah because we got some feedback from folks that were like because remember last time i talked we talked about 
like if someone offered us five million, would we take it? I was I was thinking more about that and and clarifying my thinking a bit more. And partly I think I just feel like our current rate of growth is really nice. Mm-hmm. Like it feels manageable that we, you know, we last month we had our best month ever. We did I think we added 2900 in new MRR. So that's 20 that's up 28.6% month over month. Yeah, it is when you look at that chart it is a very manageable steady slope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you go to our our metrics are public if you go to transistor.bearmetrics.com and you look at monthly recurring revenue, I mean 25% is a big jump, but the the slope is just very gradual. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's nothing. It it's not like it's taken off like a rocket ship. You know, obviously, I'd like it if Transistor could pay full time salaries for you and I right now. Right. Obviously, you know that would be awesome. But there's something about this sustainable rate of growth that feels good. I wake up in the morning. There's ten support tickets waiting for me. I go through those. And then I think, okay, what do I want to work on today? And I, you know, write a bunch of documentation or I work on something on the marketing site, but it all feels sustainable. It doesn't feel like, you know, I'm holding on for dear life or something. It might feel slightly different for me. (laughs) Not that I'm holding on for dear life, but that it's like slightly less sustainable just because I'm, I'm, you know, working a full-time job during the day. Because you're working full-time, yeah. Well, just imagine, though, how different it could be. Uh, I was listening to this interview with Peldy, the founder of Balsamic, and uh, it's on Indie Hackers, and he described his launch like holding onto a rocket ship by his fingernails. Hmm. (laughs) That sounds terrifying. (laughs) Like he was working full-time for Adobe, they launched, and then he said he just didn't have... He wanted this little one-person software company, Mm -hmm. and... It just took off so fast that he basically, I think he's just feeling like he's catching up now. You know, you know, like when you're sitting in a Tesla and someone like slams on the, not the gas, but the accelerator, and it feels like it takes a while for your stomach to catch up. <laughs> right. I think that's how it felt for him launching. Like he just like put this thing out into the world and all of a sudden it was like off into space. And I don't, I don't think I would like that. If that's what happened with us. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm feeling is just, you know, I I hear these stories of other folks that are building startups. And that's the great thing about business is, I mean, it depends on a lot of factors, largely your market that you're in, um, you know, demand in that market, lots of factors. But, you know, you can largely, depending on if those, if there's enough demand, you can build the company kind of how you want. And when I see people adding, you know, more people, hiring like crazy, and then once they've hired a bunch of folks, they have to add more processes. Processes? Processes, yeah. Processes? More process? I don't know. More, <laughs> and you have to have one-on-one meetings. You have, and you know this. You, you're managing a team right now. Right. It, it gets complicated. Yeah, Plus, plus I think with that type of, fast growth you're probably more apt to get into the 
uh, like the VC cycle, right? Where you're like, oh, we need to raise money because it's moving like crazy. We need more people. We need more money. I think you're, I don't know. It's just a guess that people are probably a little more prone to um, jumping into the investment world. Well, yeah. I, and I mean, some people love that too. I, I was listening to Bootstrapped Web, uh, w- which is Jordan Gall and Brian Castle. And um, Jordan is building Carthook. Oh, we went to his office in Portland. Yeah. And he just loves building this team. Like he feels like the e-commerce niche that they're going after is just a, a massive opportunity and so they keep going in and out of profitability. They'll hit profitability and then basically they'll risk hiring a bunch more people and they'll become unprofitable again with the hopes that those people will help them ship faster, capture more of the market, you know, move faster than their competitors, all of those kinds of things. And that's great. Like he that is he's definitely built for that. I guess part of my struggles was sometimes like, I wonder, like, should we be like that? Or, you know, because it, it right now it just does feel like this is growing at a nice rate right now. And, you know, it's going to take some time for it to pay our full-time salaries, but we're getting there. And I would much rather have this than one or than the other options, which is, you know, Peldy just holding on for dear life or Jordan, who's like trying to, you know, grow and then basically risk, like we're going to take on investment and other things and maybe go into debt or whatever so we can hire more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Like, what are some of your, what's your thinking around growth and yeah, I, uh, how fast we should be growing? I mean, I I really have liked the the steady growth. Um, like I'm I don't know, I'm still waiting for like a spike or a dip or something to slow down. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't I don't really foresee a spike. I don't know if there will be a dip or a slowdown or when that would happen. Um, well, eventually it probably will. It probably will, but. I mean, I, I've honestly never really been part of a, a fast growth company that was just like a madhouse, right? Um, I, I have mm-hmm. a lot of friends that have been, and it sounds like not that desirable to me. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> some people, some people it was manageable because um, the management of the company sort of, you know, ran things well and everyone remained calm. Um, Mm-hmm. But the, I think that was a company that was like profitable from the get go. wasn't like you know they were losing money and needed to raise money or um, hit certain targets just to make sure that they can keep moving forward. Yes. So in that sense, I guess that that particular company was like a little more sustainable because they they were profitable. Hmm. What do you think about? Because that brings up a good point. Because part of my aversion to growth, especially growth for growth's sake. It, you just you're adding so many dependencies, right? So, like, let's say that the podcast pie is ten pieces, and we have one slice right now, and so we're like, we've got to get, you know, we've got to get more pieces of the pie, and so we hire a bunch of people, we invest a bunch more in advertising, we we just really try to juice our growth, mm-hmm. and. 
you know, because of that, it means we have to build an office and then we need to start filling out tax forms for everybody. We need an accountant. We need someone in finance. We need, you know, we get sued a couple times. We, there's all these things that happen, right? Well, that's how you know you're a successful startup. <laughs> Is that once you've been sued? But we could juice it. We really could. Like, I feel like you and I have the ability to do that. I mean, we could turn on, we could have a free plan right now, which I'm sure tons of people would sign up for. But then we yeah. have to support that. I think I would rather, you know, keep keep this slow growth in mind or steady growth. And instead of trying to get a bigger, necessarily a bigger slice of the podcast pie, mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds disgusting. <laughs> uh, I, I think I would rather build our service so that our current customers can sort of like maybe we add value so that they can get more benefit out of what we offer, but maybe move up to a different tier. Right. So like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Um, just hold that for thought for a sec. Cause I want to close this other thread, which is you build up all of that machine. And then our job is to just keep that machine running. All we think about when we go to bed is, we got to keep the machine running. When we wake up in the morning, we're like, oh my God, there's 20 people here. We got to pay all these people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they need insurance. We got to pay them. They're, we're supporting them and their families. Yeah. That's, that's an entirely different ballgame. I think part of my struggle is sometimes I think, well, am I being selfish for not wanting that? Like maybe we should be juicing growth just so that we can hire more people. I don't know. I, I don't. I guess it depends what we want. I, I don't think we want that. So we might as well just be honest. I mean, eventually, yeah, we'll probably hire people. I was talking to a friend of mine about this and, you know, about the the prospect of, of going full time and, and like what that would take and how things would change. And he made a good point that uh, he's like, the company's doing great as it is now um, and you're not working full time. Whenever that happens, like make sure you keep the same constraints mm-hmm. and that might include growth, but that, that, that also includes like, like we only talk once a week. Right. And it's been mm-hmm. working. So like, maybe that's a constraint we keep or we, yeah. maybe we talk, we record once and we have one meeting for like planning or something once a week or whatever, or maybe not even that much, but, but I think yeah. that that sort of ties into the whole, the whole growth thing too, is to keep in mind, like, I don't know how, how you want your life to, be like if you're working on it full time and and how growth ties into that and oh totally yeah well there's actually two parts of that one is it when you're talking about growth sometimes growth is just unhealthy right it's just not helpful like you can add 10 people but only get one person's worth of work out of those 10 Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you can there's like this tension between you know, if we add one person, that add that doesn't just add one person's level of complexity to our business. It actually adds just as much at complexity as we'd have with 10 people. Right. So, for us to move from two co-founders to two co-founders and an employee, that's like that's not just a little bit of complexity, that is a lot of complexity. Right. I I think sometimes people don't explore right now we're, we we were two people exploring this cave and you know there, there could be this this is my metaphor might break down but like 
it feels like I don't really want to get more people in the cave until I've really had a chance to explore it. Just us two. Yeah. Like maybe we don't need more people. It might be a small cave. It might be a small cave. <laughs> my favorite my favorite part about the show is me like coming up with a metaphor off the top of my head and then yeah. <laughs> you, you sometimes just going with it. That's good. Yeah, I like it. They're good metaphors. <laughs> but you're right. Like it might it might be it might sometimes people over optimize too fast. They think, well, the solution has got to be we throw more people at this and then we'll, we'll necessarily it'll be better. Right. But just think about, you know, like there's so many things that could happen. Like we add a bunch of people and then all of a sudden there's a recession. Mm-hmm. It's just we, we the, the more we try to juice the growth, it feels like the more just like complexity and dependency and anxiety and there's just more that can go wrong. Where right now we have this healthy buffer of growth is good. We're going to get to full-time income when we get there. And if we lost 10% of our customers, you know, let's say, I mean, obviously I want us to grow until we hit, I don't know, let's say 50K a month. Yeah. But if we lose 10% of our customers overnight when we hit 50K, it would be like, it's okay. We'll be fine. Yeah. As long as that trend doesn't continue. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like the there's something about all of that that, and maybe it's because I'm reading this Walt Disney book right now, and it's just talking about him staffing up and how like well, like Disney Studios is just like unprofitable, unprofitable, unprofitable because they just need so many animators to, especially when they start working on Snow White, and just the amount of stress it put on Roy and Walt and. You know, there's so much in their history of them getting sick. And I just, I'm like, oh God, if I can avoid that, I would be okay with <laughs> with it, you know? Let's just pause here. I want to I wanna give a shout out to Clubhouse. Well, we're going to let this ruminate while I talk about Clubhouse. They've sponsored us again for May. This is how you know if people love or hate their project management software. I just, just now, I went on Twitter and I searched Clubhouse. The first tweet I see is from Abel. He says simply... I'm in love with Clubhouse. Who says that about their project management software? Yeah, no, no one. <laughs> Completely separate tweet thread. And these folks are both replying to folks that are on Jira. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and Jared Palmer, we use Clubhouse and love it. That kind of love, you can't, you can't fake that. And we've been using Clubhouse. We really like it too. It is project management software that's a delight to use. Uh, they just launched today. They didn't tell me to talk about this, but they just launched a new Slack community huh. where you can meet and talk with other Clubhouse users. Um, they're doing a bunch of stuff around community now. You should really check them out. When you sign up with our special code, you get two months free. Go to clubhouse.io slash bill. Nice. I wonder what their uh, I wonder what their growth is like because because they kind of like flew under the radar for a while. They've been around for a little like a couple of years, I think, but have just been yeah. like slowly churning, like cranking away and adding like cool features. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the there's a lot of companies that I think are just you know, slow and steady, slow and steady. And again, 
I think folks can do whatever they want. Like, and sometimes you can't do what you want. Like, Balsa- like Balsamic's a good example. He just launched it and he didn't have a choice. The thing was like friggin' crazy, right? But sometimes you get, you know, you get in the water, you get in the river, and the river's just flowing really nice, and you can paddle pretty hard and you can make pretty good, you know, progress. And I don't know if we, there's this other um, quote I talk about all the time. Actually, this is a perfect illustration for growth versus non-growth or juicing growth. So uh, I born in 1980. The, what year did Dookie come out? Was that 2003? Uh, sorry, 2003, 1993. So 1994 is when it came out, February 1st. You're talking about the Green Day album? The Green Day okay. album, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you said Dookie. I, I say Dookie? Dookie? Oh, you say Dookie. I God guess it's a uh, Canadian-American thing, I guess. Uh, no, I'm probably saying it wrong. Mm. Anyway, 1994. How do you say it? Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> Although I say cookie. So... Oh my god! I don't know. There are there's there are like English is a dumb language. <laughs> there are thousands of <laughs> punk rock fans just screaming at our, our podcast player right now. Dookie, that album comes out in '94, and you know punk rock uh, kind of has its next wave, right? And I remember loving that album. Green Day is still to this day one of my favorite uh, bands, but. What was great about punk rock was there's all these great smaller bands that you could get into, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, like No Effects, you know, there's just this. I, I used to go to the record store and buy those like Fat Records compilations, and you'd get like High Standard and like all of these great bands on one album. But when Dookie came out, <laughs> it really, that really kind of propelled this this new wave of punk rock into the mainstream. And you had bands that were previously kind of indie, like Offspring. They really start to juice it. They, they sign with a bigger record label. That, their album, Smash, goes crazy. They're selling millions of records. And at the same time, you've got Fat Mike, who's the founder of the band No Effects, uh, and the founder of Fat Records, he decides to just stay the course. So Green Day is playing arenas. He's still playing small little venues. Offspring is doing like a 20 arena tour. He's still going town to town in a punk rock van and playing, you know, still sizable venues, but 500 people, a thousand people, that kind of growth. In a article, an interview, which I'll link to in the show notes, someone said, hey, do you ever regret not capitalizing on that punk rock, crazy punk rock wave when it was happening? And he was like, fuck no. (laughs) He's like, look what happened to Offspring. He's like, Offspring can't even play casinos now, right? They just became kind of a joke. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a little bit harsh, but, but he's saying no effects, we're still playing the same venues that we've always played. We go on tour. We sell out our tours every year. Hmm. We 
put out an album. Our fans line up to buy an album. So not juicing growth, not taking like, you know, jumping on it and saying we have to, but look at all this opportunity. Punk rock is growing like crazy. We've just got to capture as much of this attention as we can. He was like, no, we're just going to keep growing the way we're growing. And, you know, yeah, I like that. that'll be That's that. That's a good analogy. I mean, he has tons of other personal problems and vices, but <laughs> it's a good He's illustration, a I think. Yeah. There's, I think there's some wisdom to that, that, again, in some way, like Green Day, it, it worked for them. They, you know, they have been riding that mainstream wave for a long time. And in some ways, uh, like Fat Mike, I think he said, they got lucky. Like, they, they put out this huge album, um, and then, you know, they didn't have another big hit until American Idiot came out. That was a long time. Like, American Idiot came out when, that was during... Bush. Well, yeah, yeah. Green Day, they evolved, though. I mean, they did, you know, they went to, like, punk opera, rock opera, as yeah. But it, it might not have worked, right, is the right. point, right? Like, Warning, which I think is their best album, was right after Dookie, and it was, like, a acoustic album, did terrible. Hmm. And so, that was a big experiment that didn't work out, right? So... From 94 to then 2004, when they released American Idiot, they were kind of just like, everyone's hoping that they have another massive hit. Right. And they got it. They got lucky, which gave them, you know, probably gave them another decade. So obviously, there's all sorts of ways to do this. And obviously, you know, these are just anecdotes. But I do think about it a lot. And it seems a lot of it comes down to what do we want? Yeah, I think... Yeah, what do we want? What do we want? I think we know what we want. <laughs> and I mean, this can change, but for now, I'm just, I am, like, I'm continually surprised every month we've got new customers signing up. It's crazy to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, we get these emails from ProfitWell that are like, you're, you know, 23% through the month and 46% ahead of your goal. I'm just like, what? Mm. How does this keep happening? Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, like, it feels like we're making, like, I, I'm not gonna be able to do this forever, probably. But right now, somebody signs up for $19 a month. And I am helping them so much. Right. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm really like, I'm helping them customize their website. I'm, you know, uh, helping them promote their show on our Instagram and our Twitter. I'm making special clips for them. I'm giving them advice. I'm I'm recording individualized screencasts. Like we are really able to give a high level of service to our customers because right, right. I love our customers. I just I get so excited when I see someone launching a show. If tomorrow I had a hundred Kayako tickets, like customer support tickets, as opposed to ten. That's a whole new game, yep. isn't it? Yeah, that's like, ooh, that's a weight. I'm just like a weight on your shoulders. And if all of a sudden you have to shard the database every week. <laughs> you know, you say that. You say that jokingly, but that is actually a good solution to problems like, like we were having. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, see, I mean, <laughs> it just becomes a different life, though. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, if you're Twitter's engineers when Twitter was taking off, what a crappy life. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, they're working their ass off to fix stuff, probably just getting, like, angry customers all the time. Yeah. For a thing that's free. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, this is why, you know, I've been listening to this Honey Badger podcast quite a bit. It's just three founders working away on their thing. And man, it's, it sounds like they really are able to serve the customers at a high level. But at the same time, and they, they're concerned about marketing and growth, like they're investing in it. That's one reason they're doing their podcast. On the other hand, they seem to have a great life. Yeah. They, they go to work every day. They get to do work that they like, but then they get to walk their kids to school. They can take time off. It's, they get to work with people they like. It's not, not, a, not a bad gig if you can get it. Not a bad gig if you can get it. And so I think there is something smart about being mindful about this because too many people take the de facto, well, we got to grow. We got to hire. Right. Well, maybe we don't. Like that pinboard dude, he's been solo forever, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. That said, like if somebody came along who was, let's say, just a crazy expert in the podcasting world or a a developer that was just like, I have these ideas, like that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe you take them on as like another like founder or early, you know, give them some equity and like maybe we could work something if it's like we have to have this guy or something or or person either way yeah i mean although it all depends on whether it lines with what you want right right which is why i think i think it is hard like i know friends who have businesses and amazing people show up at their door and they're like well i've got to hire them mm mm-hmm. there's something about having amazing people show up at your door and also being like well i could hire them but that might just take me and the company to a place where I don't want to go. Yeah, for sure. And maybe it's a mistake. Like I, I would. I'm happy to hear from listeners. Like maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't hire anyone if you can't afford it. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> obviously. But, but maybe, but maybe not being focused on growth is a mistake. Like there's folks on Twitter that have told me like if you don't grab it while you can there's like you have this window right now trans transistor is new you're the new kid on the block but pretty soon you're not going to be the new kid on the block anymore someone else is going to come along Mm -hmm. who becomes the fresh new podcast hosting and analytics platform and that that new car smell that you guys have uh you know it'll be gone and you, you'll have missed your window. You should have grabbed as much of as many of the cookies as you could while you had the chance. <laughs> oh, capitalism. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'd be interested in hearing listeners' thoughts on this. I would say if we if we grew too fast and it affected customer service, then that I would not be okay with that. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's let's change gears. Um, why don't you talk? Give a little update on the uh, the analytics. Yeah, stuff? so we talked about we that. We did last talk about week. it last week, and it was not going great. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of feel better about it. Do you feel better? Like I feel more calm. I do. Yeah, yeah. I think it turned out all right. I I did sort of a, a deep dive into a lot of things <laughs> uh, that that helped out quite a bit. So, uh, as we mentioned last week. I was in the process of like reanalyzing all of our previous downloads in our system. Yeah, for analytics. For analytics like, purposes. Um, yeah, our customers get podcast analytics on how many people have downloaded the show, all that like stuff. Where they listen from, what they used to listen to it, um, stuff like that. So we, we had been wanting to sort of update our analytics so that it would weed out 
um, obviously bad or not ba- bad, like bots and things like indexers that are indexing the RSS feeds that, that might have hit an MP3 file. It got tracked as a download, but really wasn't from a person. Like no one listened to that. Right. So there's, yeah, there are ways to detect these things. There's just like a lot of different, uh, user, uh, user agent strings, which are what identify the particular device or, or piece of software that's listening to an MP3 file. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those that like really don't tie to a specific app necessarily. It's not easy to tell. Um, so we found this, or you found by way of someone else, this GitHub repository um, that PRX, the public radio exchange, um, started and people have contributed to, which is sort of like a just a huge list of podcasting apps and web browsers and user agent strings and um, these regular expressions they have set up to sort of detect if it's a bot so that it's a download you can sort of discard. Um, so we pulled that in and ended up reworking a bunch of the code to detect um, those types of apps. And it's also now detecting the operating system that was used and the device type. So it's either like a mobile uh, device or a mobile browser or a desktop browser or a smart speaker or a, a, yeah, that's a cool. watch or something like that. Um Refrigerator, yeah, sure. Refrigerator, yeah. Uh, light bulb, I don't know. Uh, so, I just want podcasting all my things, yeah, everywhere. So, so last week we were, I was at a point where I was like, rerunning these things was just really slow. Yeah, um, and I was kind of hitting my like banging my head against the table, coming up with a solution to this. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. Uh, yeah, mostly metaphorically. <laughs> um, and really what turned out happening was that I was missing a couple of indexes in our database that really helped out a lot. How'd you, how'd you figure that out? Well, there's, there's a bunch of tools you can use with, uh, for Postgres and MySQL that kind of like you can run uh, an explain or analyze query against an actual database query, and it sort of explains to you how the database itself is doing these lookups. Like, how many rows is it scanning? Does it have to like loop back and scan again to like filter out stuff? But it also tells you what particular indexes it's trying to use. So in this case, it was just using like the wrong index or an index that isn't quite accurate enough. So we have a, we have a table that sort of uh, distills down downloads into downloads per day, per episode, per type of analytic. So it's like per for this day, for this episode, uh, 100 people listened on Apple Podcasts. Yes. So when we were doing a bunch of lookups, it was it just like wasn't, using an index to sort of filter out the type of daily analytic it was. So it was just looking through way too many records. So I added uh, what what's called like a Postgres partial index. Okay. Um, that just is a much more accurate, smaller index, so it's faster to scan. Um, once, I did, cool. once I did that, it uh, really sped things up. So now, like, it, it, it took a while. There were a couple, like, false starts. I, I started with our show just to make sure it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, everything now is reanalyzed. 
and only a few customers noticed that there there was actually a small drop in overall downloads but that's from us throwing out like obviously bad bad downloads like yeah not real people downloads yeah um everyone was like pretty you know understanding about it yeah yes especially once i i i think the hardest thing for me was just creating language around it like i had to do a bunch of research on bots and like how does this happen why does this happen um and then once i was able to get the language to go you know this is just something we're going to be chasing our whole time yeah like, i mean it's yeah it's uh it's sort of like an endless battle because there's always a new podcasting apps that you need to add to your detection yeah and i mean go, go into your google analytics folks and look at all of the spam uh refers you have in there yeah like google cannot google can't figure this out <laughs> um i think actually podcasters have a better chance because um just there's less less places traffic can come right. come from yeah. and so i think we'll be able to stay on top of it um better than other folks yep. and there's definitely some hosting providers that are less worried about this but i think you and i have always felt like we want to give people as accurate a picture as we can mm-hmm. about what's really going on with their show and also to say like if you have 20 listeners that's amazing right and we have customers who have you know a hundred regular listeners and they get a great return on their podcast. I know that sounds funny, like people, everyone wants thousands and thousands of listeners, but there are, you know, there are musicians on our platform that have 500,000 followers on Twitter and are, you know, they're getting a, less of a return from their podcast than folks that have 100 regular listeners. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy where it ended up. Um it actually fixed a lot of problems and kind of got us to a point where we're like one step closer to this IAB compliance, which is the what internet advertising. What is it? Mm-hmm. Bureau or it's, something? What are they called? Interactive advertising oh, bureau. Right. That was way off. Cool. I mean, you, you were pretty eh, close. close, I guess you had bureau. bureau. Yeah. That was a guess. <laughs> um, so we're, yeah, we're one step closer to, to like, complying with them so that we could you know eventually move into um getting our what certification or something yeah um but also like what this ended up doing was and i think this is kind of like a good a good uh example of like not prematurely optimizing stuff because like i could have mm-hmm. i could have spent time before we launched trying to make the analytics page like as efficient and optimized as possible and as fast, but I didn't like. I knew there were going to probably be problems, right? So, you know, once I picked up this this story about redoing all the analytics, like I, it was a good time to sort of revisit how um, fast our analytics pages are. Mm-hmm. So I actually reworked a lot of that. Um, so, ev- nice. so everyone's analytics pages are now going to be much, much faster. Um, through a combination of like caching ahead of time and also um, like those missing indexes that I talked about in the database. Uh, so it should be very quick. Um, but it also, since we added in new data like the OS and the device type, um, mm-hmm. sort of like the next step is reworking the analytics pages to, to like surface a lot of that information and provide more insight um, into like how people are listening and then like when they're listening and 
Yeah. So awesome. So yeah. So there we go. You know, from frustration and and despair to breaking through on the other I side. I feel like that's uh, a good description of software development. <laughs> Usually, it's frustration and anger and despair, and then you hit you like find a solution to something. You're like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> Frustration, anger, despair, breakthrough. That's maybe that'll be the title. Yeah. Um, we actually got some questions on Twitter from Jared uh, Maplethorpe, Cameron Kales, and Tim Smith. Uh, Tim says, "I'd love to hear how you get the word out on Transistor and what you do in your moments of feeling in doubt." Oh man, we've talked about that a lot on the show. Our our biggest acquisition channel by percentage is uh, affiliates right yep. now. And actually, Jared Maplethorpe, that was his question as well. Uh, but we do a lot of content marketing. Uh, John and I both had networks that we've used. We've told everybody we know. Uh, one of my mm-hmm. tricks is I just am continually putting out stuff. I'm always talking about what we're doing even if it's just showing, you know, like this podcast, showing what we're working Mm -hmm. on, um, continually sharing little insights. And so that transistor is top of mind for folks. Uh, Cameron wants to know how that meeting go with that big, huge company I mentioned last week. That was interesting. They're a big conglomerate and uh, they're wanting to get into podcasting. And so the, the person I talked to was mostly just trying to figure out, you know, what the landscape was like, and you know, considering us as a you know a future partner, but I basically told him like we might not be sophisticated enough for what they want to do, right. and you know we're okay with that too. So yeah, it was it was a good meeting. Uh, all right, man. Why don't we go through our Patreons? Sounds good. Yeah, thanks as always to our supporters on Patreon for making this show possible. Um, we got Miguel Pedrafita. Ah, uh, yeah, I love it when you say that. Name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shane Smith, Austin Lovelace, Simon Bennett, Corey Haynes, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis. Dan Buda, my brother. At danbuda.com. I actually had a little conversation about his website oh, on Twitter today. Nice. Yeah. Cool. He said it's not built in Gatsby. It. He's he's gonna he's and he's rebuilding it. You got to stay tuned, folks. He's rebuilding it in something else. So nice. Go check it out. Cool. Uh, our buddy Darby Frey. Uh, yeah. Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Schuchert, Dan Erickson, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta. <laughs> who you just got to hang out yeah. with. Yeah, it's been a while. Got to catch up with Dave. Uh, Kyle Fox, GetRewardful.com, and our sponsors, Clubhouse and Balsamic. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm going to go listen to some Green Day. Dookie. Dookie. Dookie? Dookie. What did I say? Dookie. <laughs> Dookie. 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 <laughs>
Oh, man. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.